You're listening to a sermon podcast from Agape Baptist Church, recorded live from our Sunday service. Good morning, church. Today's scripture reading comes from John chapter 15, verses 12 to 17. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, and here is wishing everyone a happy Chinese New Year. Now, this is my blessing for you. May you experience the joy of the Lord through the different seasons of your life. And may you be blessed this year by His abundant provision for all your needs. And lastly, may you enjoy the blessing of friendship from this day forth. Amen. Well, this morning, I want to talk about friendship. The Bible has much to say about it. And so, it is not possible for me to cover every aspect regarding friendship. Also, because the Bible has so much to say about friends, I will be referring to other Bible verses beside our main text today to talk about three things. So this is the roadmap as we navigate this topic on friendship. The first is this. We need friends. Well, you will hear more about why we need friends as we go along. And the second thing, we want to know who our true friends are. So we want to talk about the characteristics of true friends. And then, lastly, we're going to talk about the power to forge lasting friendships. Let's begin with the need for friends. What are the first few things that comes to your mind when you hear this first point? Maybe you are saying, Oh, I don't need friends. I have a close, neat family, good neighbours, and a fantastic boss. Another possibility is that uh, you think you already have sufficient friends. And anyway, it just takes up too much time. Or you could be saying, yes, I know I need friends, but I've been betrayed and disappointed by friends, that I've become disillusioned about friendship. You know what I think? I think we can all possibly identify with all the above. However, this morning, I want to submit to you that the more you desire friendship, the more you are like God. The more you desire friendship, the more you are like God. Let me just say that in our lives, we will have many acquaintances, amicable colleagues, classmates, neighbours, but you will have much fewer close friends. Why? Because true friends are rare. So to need and to want friendship is not a sign of spiritual immaturity, but of maturity. In fact, it is not a sign of weakness, but a sign of health. 
You see, in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, we see God saying, it is good, it is good, it is good to everything He created. Then, from chapter 3 onwards, after sin enters the world, all bad things happen, like the first murder with Cain and Abel. You see, in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, we see humanity before the fall, before sin, when everything was good. However, there was one thing before sin comes into the world, which was not good. One thing God say is not good. Genesis 2.18 tells us it was not good for Adam to be alone. In other words, Adam was not lonely because he was imperfect, but because he was perfect. God made Eve to be Adam's wife. But it is not just for the purpose of procreation or another pair of hands to help with the housework. See, married couple knows and desires to have deep friendship with their spouse. You see, the, the longing, or if you like, the ache for friendship is the one ache that is not the result of sin. Every other longing and pain or ache Adam had, that human beings ever had, the hunger ache or the sickness or the guilty or the lack of meaning in life ache, they all come from sin. This is one longing that is part of Adam's perfection. Adam could not even enjoy the Garden of Eden, paradise, because God made him in such a way that he cannot enjoy paradise without Eve. God made us in such a way that we cannot enjoy our joy without human friends. Now what this means practically is this. If you are lonely, if you want more friends, if you want closer friends, there is nothing wrong with you. You are lonely because you are not a plant. You are lonely because you are not a machine. In fact, I want to tell you this. You are lonely because you are built this way. However, while desiring friendship is not the result of sin, the reasons why we struggle with loneliness and the lack of friends in our lives is because of sin. Let me explain it this way. One of the reasons why you are lonely is that you want friends, right? And one of the reasons you want friends is, uh, is that you don't have many friends. And one of the reasons you don't have many friends may be because of sin, because of flaws in your life, because of mistakes you are making. But the passion for it, the need for it, and the sense of lack is not wrong. However, I've discovered a sad truth. And here is the sad truth. There are some people who have conditioned themselves not to want or need friends in their lives. Whether it is through isolation you know, or building routines around their lives that makes it difficult to build friendship with others. You see, there is a very real temptation, especially for us living in busy Singapore, where we live very busy lives because of work, family, commitment. So there's a real temptation not to make time for friendships. You know what I discover as we age or as I age, it's get, it gets harder to start making friends because we know how much time friends take. While we would never say, oh, I, I'm not going to need people anymore, we may be so discouraged and so disillusioned enough to even think that. I know it is hard, it is difficult and painful in your heart, but I want to say to you, Stop going down that path, that path that isolates you from others. You see, I consider my wife to be my closest friend. 
However, during this pandemic, I realized how much I've neglected tending to this garden of our friendship. The work-from-home situation since the circuit breaker revealed the state of this garden. We were experiencing so much miscommunication, misreading each other's intentions and motivations because we were just spending uh, more time together than any other time for a long time. And the scariest part for me was the thought that I don't really need her. I don't need her to cook. I don't need her to clean. I don't need her to wash. I don't need her to check on my diet. You know, I don't need her for, to attend any of my needs. However, that is far from the truth. You see, I need her to be a friend who would listen to me when no one else is interested or care about what I have to say. I need her to be a mirror to accurately reflect back the best and the worst of me without giving up on me. I need her to share my joy, my challenges, my pain, my victory together with me. I confess that this is still work in progress on my part to be a true friend to her. But one of the small breakthroughs that we have was the decision to interpret all our words and all our actions towards each other as love. I want to say to you, let yourselves need people. If you close up and when you are in trouble, it's just too late. You see, you don't walk around you know, saying, oh, I love air, right? Yet the truth is that what good is my brain without air or food, good food without air? It wouldn't be any good, right? The time that you will really appreciate air is when you are underwater. Then you will start to say, yes, I, 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 I need air. Likewise, you don't walk around saying, I need friends, usually, yeah? until you are emotionally and personally going under. Then it's too late. You see, if you don't have them, if they're not there, it's too late. You know what? Friendships, you need them. The first reason I said that we need friends is because God built us this way. And the second reason is because we need God. You know, one of the things that amazed me in our text this morning that you have heard, Jesus told his disciples that they are no longer his servants. Instead, in verse 14, in the first part, Jesus says, you are my friends. Now imagine with me, Jesus, the strongest person, the perfect saviour, the compassionate healer, the great teacher, the son of God himself, chose them to be his friends. See, the 12 disciples never understood him. They continually let him down. Those closest to him could not even stay awake with him for an hour. They were always hurting his feelings. And yet, if you read the Gospels, Jesus was constantly sharing his thoughts and his deepest part of his heart with his friends. I want you to remember that Jesus started in our text today in John chapter 15, verse 9, talking about the love between God, the Father, and Him. And in the context of this passage, it was friendship love. Jesus was saying to His disciples that their joy could only be complete if they are friends with Him and with God. And Jesus extended the same friendship He has with God to His disciples. Now this friendship love existed first with God in the Trinity and now given to us through Jesus. And oh, this is huge. Think about it. Because you see, the Jews think that they can only be God's friends if they are really good and important, like Abraham and Moses, the only two persons in Scripture in the Old Testament 
where they are called God's friends. First, Isaiah 41 verse 8. God calls Abraham my friend. And in Exodus 33 verse 11, Moses' friendship with God is described as a relationship in which God speaks to Moses face to face. And here in John 15, Jesus was explaining to the disciples that he was going to lay down his life for them so that they could be God's friends. John chapter 15, verse 15, listen to the words again. Jesus says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. Now, this leads me to my second point. We need friends, we need God, but what is true friend, What are true friends like? It was, it was uh, Charles Spurgeon who says this. He said, he who would be happy here, meaning on earth, must have friends. And he who would be happy hereafter, which means in heaven, must above all things find a friend in the world to come, in the person of God. Now, Basically, Spurgeon is saying two things. Firstly, everyone needs friends, you know, both horizontally with fellow man and vertically with God. Secondly, he says you would only be happy, you know, only if you have two friends. But let me be specific here and say that we would only be happy if we have true friends. So the question is, how do we know who are true friends? Now, listen, this question cuts two ways. As much as we are asking who are our true friends, we are also asking, are we true friends to others? Likewise, it will also be the gauge for our friendship with God. Are you a true friend to God? Who is a true friend? Who is a true friend? The letter A says, a true friend always loves you, never use you. Listen to the words of Jesus in verses 9, 10, 12 to 13, and then 17 of John 15. Listen to these words. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friend. This is my command. Love each other. See, church, the foundation of true friendship is love. It is important for me to point this out, that there's a difference between loving and using. If love is not the foundation but usefulness is, then we are friends only because of how useful that person is to me. And, and what is useful is what, max, if, if what is useful is what's maximizing my pleasure, my comfort, and minimizing my pain. Wow. You know, if that's the way we feel friendship, it's going to affect the way we relate with one another. You see, if my main goal of friendship with you is to pursue my own pleasure, then I will only put into this friendship based on the return I will get in attaining that goal. See, many people today, even Christians, 
you know, may evaluate a friend in terms of how useful that person is to them in order for them to achieve their goals or how much fun they will get with this person. What, what this does is reduce the person or that friend in our lives as a means for our own pleasure. You see, there is a, um, I read a, a, a story about Billy Graham uh, from a book called Billy Graham and the Presidents. You see, Billy Graham had over 50 years of being close to most of the presidents. They are close for different reasons. As Billy Graham became famous, uh, they often wanted a photo opportunity with him. Some of them, well, actually had a genuine spiritual interest, some just by tradition. But what struck me in the book is that one of the reasons the president said over and over that they like to have Billy Graham around is because he didn't seem interested in getting anything from them. Well, maybe because he was already more, more famous than they were, you know. But they felt like, you know, here was a person they could talk to with, who, who wasn't like anyone else in, in, in Washington who, who surrounded the president, who, you know, you, you can't, because they think that, you know, this president is going to give them something, maybe a job, maybe it's to pull the liberal of powers, maybe to give me some excess, you know, but, but Billy Graham was there for them. Wow. Now listen to what Jesus, or how Jesus described what a true friend is. In verse 13, Jesus says, Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. He said that a true friend would lay down his or her life. I want to bring in two other uh, verses from Solomon, or from the book of Proverbs, written by Solomon. The first one is this. It says that in Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loves at all times. Now, what does this mean? It means that in all kinds of times, good times, bad times, you, you can't be a good friend without availability, being there when times are difficult. You see, a friend will not forsake you. Who is a true friend? He loves you and not use you. The letter B. A true friend always lets you in and never lets you down. Listen to what Jesus says again in verse 15 and 16. Jesus told them, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything I've learned from my father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. All through the gospel, Jesus constantly opened up himself to his disciples. He was letting them in on his deepest thoughts and even his pain. He wanted them to know and also share in what God the Father has made known to him. I want to give you two examples and then try to apply it practically for us. The first is this. Peter, or Jesus let Peter, James, and John in on a mind-blowing experience where Jesus was transfigured before them. Imagine that right before their very eyes, Jesus' clothes became dazzling white, the Bible says, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. Wait, but that's not the climax. See, Elijah and Moses appeared right before their eyes and they could hear Jesus having a conversation with them. 
But wait, that's still not the climax. The climax for Peter, James, and John was hearing the audible voice of God saying, This is my Son, referring to Jesus, whom I loved. Listen to Him. The second example of Jesus opening Himself up and letting them in involved again Peter, James, and John. A few chapters down in Mark chapter 14. This time it was in the Garden of Gethsemane, right before Jesus was arrested and eventually crucified. Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and told them that he was overwhelmed with, the sor with sorrow to the point of death. He asked them to keep watch and pray with them, but they fell asleep, not once, but three times. Jesus found them sleeping and spoke strongly to them in Mark chapter 14, verses 34 and 38. Jesus said, Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Now let me try and make the two passages that, we, that I've just illustrated, you know, about how Jesus opened up and letting them in, make it applicable for all of us. You see, a friend is emotionally sensitive to what is going on on the inside of somebody's life. You see, I cannot, or, you know, if I can be happy when you are sad, I'm not your friend. When you are sad, I'm sad. When you're happy, I'm happy. You see, a friend gives the gift of emotional connection sensitively and also willingly. Here's another two verses taken from Proverbs. The first is this, Proverbs 27, verses 5 and 6. It says, Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiply kisses. You see, a friend is someone who is a truth teller. Better is open rebuke than, a he than hidden love. Or faithful are the wounds of a friend, which means Words that your friends need that are going to be painful to hear, but they need to hear them. You see, covering the truth out of love is the work of the enemy. You know, when you say, I love them too much, you tell them that? No, no. In actuality, in, in truth, you know, who you love is yourself, not them. Secondly, a friend is someone who is transparent with you. It's someone who is Regularly assure, reassuring as well as challenging. So both things, right? You know, a friend is someone who regularly assures you but also challenges you. A friend is someone who demonstrates the balance of both encouragement and rebuke. So who is a true friend? A true friend is one who understands and cares deeply about what's going on deep inside of you. A true friend is careful, candid, challenging. And a true friend never let you down. Proverbs, 20, uh, Proverbs 18.24 says this, One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. This from the NIV. The ES, ESV says this way, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. That means that a true friend will not let you go to ruin. If you are at your lowest point, in the darkest hour of your life, a true friend will stick with you even when it's going to take 
a lot, a lot of involvement, a lot of energy, a lot of expenditure to stay close to you. This friend who sticks closer than a brother has deliberately made you not as a means to an end, but an end itself. A friend who say, I will do whatever it takes to keep you from falling into ruins. I won't let you get into or get to the bottom. I won't. I'll be there even when it costs me something. Now, by this time, you are probably saying in your mind, yes, I want to have such a friend. Or you may be saying, I've tried, but I, I've, I've, I, I will never ever find such a friend. Or you might even say, you know, I can never be such a friend to anyone. Basically, you are either longing for friendship or you are feeling crushed by the sense that you can never measure up to the kind of friendship your wife or friends deserve. It is painful to admit that the reason why we don't have enough great friends is because we are not great friends. I know it's hard. It's hard. Which leads me to the final point, the power to forge lasting friendship. Let me ask you a few questions. Firstly, how easy is it for you to be transparent? Or I mean, I mean, I mean really open up, really let a person in. It is hard. And at the same time, we are afraid. You know, let me ask another question. How are you at being there unconditionally for a person no matter what, it, what the cost? It is hard. Where are we going to get the power to be the friends we need to be so that we can have the friends we need to have? See, in our text today, Jesus was explaining to his disciples why he called them friends. Just as my Father God loves me, I have loved you. Now love one another. I'm laying down my life for you so that you can be friends with the Father as the Father and I are friends. It was Tim Keller who said this. He says that the Christian God, the biblical God in, is a friendship. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, knowing and loving one another. See, we have already established that God made us for friendship. Friendship with Him and friendship with one another. Vertical and horizontal. But you see, we have turned from friendship with God. Let me ask you, when, when you betray a friend, what happens? Usually the friend will turn on you. But Jesus Christ did not turn from us or against us. Instead, he says, I am the perfect friend who loves at all time. I am the perfect friend who is going to stick to you at infinite cost to myself so that you will not be ruined. You see, on the cross, Jesus, our perfect friend, bore our sins, our wounds, and our pain. The Bible says wounds from a friend can be trusted. How much more trustworthy are the wounds Jesus bore on our behalf? You see, because on the cross, Jesus not only made friendship with God accessible, but also empowers us to move out of our fears, whether it's our fears of rejection, our fear of showing ourselves truly to others. Jesus, the ultimate friend who sticks closer than a brother, liberates you and me to be the friend we need to be. 
You see, if I know that Jesus trusts me and loves me no matter what, if I know that He will never let me down and that I can move out not being afraid of being let down, I can move, I can also move out to be the great friend I ought to be. Dear friends, let me close with these words. Make Jesus the friend your heart desires and you will have all the friends your hearts need. Would you bow your hearts as we come before the Lord in prayer? Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast. You can find more of our sermons online on our website at www.agape.org.sg